today on Ag News Daily. As you progress through here, you're going to continue to see uh, beans that were either planted later or have a later maturity. There's going to be a fairly decent yield cut compared to, you know, your earliest beans. So our beans early on, you know, just to tell you, I mean, they were over 80 bushel beans. With the FarmSmart podcast, we're not just talking change, we're making change together. FarmSmart is where sustainability meets opportunity. We're helping growers leverage sustainable practices and products to record positive environmental impacts and provide new revenue streams. Tune in to learn more about sustainable ag and the opportunities and incentives that are enabling us to get to the future faster. Get the FarmSmart podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at nutrientagsolutions.com slash farmsmart. Happy Monday, September 25th, 2023. Ag News Daily kicking off your week the right way. Going to jump right into weather, Delaney. Showers are expected in eastern part of Iowa, parts of Illinois. Rainfall could be heavy and reduced visibility for motorists potentially could be an issue. Gusts of wind up to 40 miles per hour. Those storms are expected through the night. Then potentially looking at tomorrow in Minnesota and Wisconsin. We hope there's no flooding issues, but those are certainly some things that we can keep an eye out for. A series of storms have hit the Pacific Northwest with heavy rain, and that is now creating a rising threat of debris that is coming through their floodwaters. The Northwest has endured dry conditions and hot temperatures, but the strong area of low pressure moving from the south of the Gulf uh, of Alaska will begin to send a series of storms into that region. And then we look down to Florida, Delaney, where it looks to be a soggy week for them as well. Some areas could see up to five inches of rain and possible flash flooding as a cold front has stalled over the Florida area. So quite a lot of moisture falling from the skies. We do have Tropical Storm Felipe. It's either Philip or Felipe uh, is building out to the south and east of Bermuda. We'll continue to keep an eye on that to see if it turns into a hurricane. But it sounds like quite a bit of rain for quite a bit of the U.S. Tanner, I'm disappointed you didn't ask me how my weekend was. Oh, uh, I'm sorry for uh, the insensitives. Hey, Delaney, how was your weekend? Well, it was good, but that's usually how you start the podcast on a Monday. (laughs) It just threw me off. Well, mine wasn't as great. We had a little bit of illness roll through the house through my daughter's age or daughter's side of things. So maybe I was just ready to put the weekend behind me. That's fair. That is fair. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of farmers are too, because I think a lot of folks here in the central part of Iowa were kicked out of the fields due to some rain over the weekend. But as you said, they're hot and dry is expected to continue through the rest of September and working to get an interview to chat harvest weather conditions with Eric Snodgrass later this week, hopefully. But Tanner, later this week, we could also see a government shutdown. This, of course, is pending some sort of short-term funding resolution. And House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said he is not so hopeful now that we are going to see some sort of stopgap spending bill come to fruition. So Tanner, what programs would be impacted if we don't see some sort of short-term spending bill? Well, I'm glad that you asked. You didn't verbally (laughs) ask, but I think you were asking it in your head. Uh, So some programs that would be impacted pretty abruptly potentially could include the crop progress reports that we see because USDA will likely get shut down. The Women, Infants, and Children, or WIC program, will also be shut down within a few days if Congress cannot 
agree to fund the government beyond Saturday. And we also could see potentially shutdowns for meat processing facilities, Tanner, as again, we think about USDA workers and the Food Safety and Inspection Service would need to continue regulatory inspection of meat, poultry, and egg products. They employ about 8,600 employees. So that could also potentially impact what our meat processors are able to do. And it could interrupt if we don't see something passed by October 12th, WASDI reports as well. Tanner, uh, including the crop production report that we see every Monday and a variety of other reports released by the USDA. But folks are saying it's not going very well at this time. So we'll see if something can get pulled through here at the 11th hour. That's correct. I mean, there are some agency contingency plans that have been in place by the Office of Management and Budget that might allow, for example, the Plant Health and Animal Inspection Service to continue on a limited basis so things don't completely shut down. Uh, also, the Federal Grain Inspection Services as we get through the fall uh, for harvest season. Um, yeah, the one that I also read was the Risk Management a Agency, so RMA. They were, would be responsible if this goes through October for publishing the harvest price for crop insurance. So if this is still in effect by the 31st of October, uh, then that would affect that harvest price release as well. So it could have looming effects, you know, even though, like you said last week, Delaney, we're, we seem far away from a deal at this point. It always seems like something comes through in the 11th hour anyway to make sure things are <clears throat> moving forward. We do have a lot of farmers. It'll be interesting to see what the crop progress report says this week, jumping into soybean harvest this week. So uh, Dan Anderson from AgWeb Farm Journal put out a, a helpful article just to remind those that are looking to cut their soybeans and other dry beans of the major adjustments that can play a huge role in how your crop feeds and how you prepare for planting of next year, making sure your residue is taken care of, making sure you pay attention to real height that is relative to cutter bar influences and how you are going to set the slope of your head too high, obviously can cause uh, an issue with the way your stems lean into your head. Uh, also making sure that we pay attention to position controls where bats and fingers can contact the stems some of us may have taller soybean plants than others, so wanting to make sure that it is preferred to get to the lowest point of the rotation, to have that directly over the cutter bar while the machine is off, and then that way uh, you lower the risk of any crop escaping. Also making sure we look at cross auger alignment or your draper belt alignment as you're bringing the crop into the center feeder house, uh, making sure that uh, there are no obstructions that would cause the material to fight its way into the processing center of the combine. Continuing to keep an eye on that. Real tines should be made sure that there are no damages. Also, uh, your sickle sections and guards should be in top condition. Don't hesitate, he states, to repair parts that need repaired uh, as it will cause less headaches. And then lastly stated, real speed, which is apparently the most challenging setting, according to Dan. Uh, most manufacturers recommend that reels Delaney are operated 10% faster than the ground speed. 
too slow obviously causes feeding issues and too fast can cause uh, some shatter loss. So some great tips put out there. Uh, if you want more in detail, hit the machinery page of Farm Journal's website to get more of that information. Well, Tanner, as we continue to watch the carbon summit hearings here happening in the state of Iowa, we saw a Hardin County attorney arguing in a recent state regulatory filing that Iowa cities and counties should have the local authority to restrict building permits for the carbon capture pipeline facilities. This has the potential to empower local elected officials to restrict or block the con controversial pipeline projects by depriving them of their sources of the greenhouse gases. Some counties said that they are wary of having the projects, of course, come through their, their local municipalities and have sought to limit where the pipeline can be built. So the Hardin County attorney here, uh, Daryl Meyer, on Thursday has asked state regulators to publicly clarify that the capture facilities are not part of the pipeline and are subject to local ordinances and permitting requirements, Tanner. This is just the latest monkey wrench we've seen in the IUB hearings. Yeah, I was keeping an eye on that story as well. It's interesting to see where and when counties can have their influence on uh, projects such as this. Obviously, whatever is determined will set the precedence for future projects as well. Hitting Russia and Ukraine, Russia strikes killed two people and caused significant damage in Odessa overnight. Ukrainian officials stated that the Moscow forces have repeatedly targeted this southern port following the collapse of the Black Sea grain deal. Russia also killed multiple people and wounded others in the Kyrgyzstan region during the same time period. However, Ukraine is claiming that it killed the commander of Russia's Black Sea Fleet in an attack last week on Sevastopol, one of the largest cities in the annexed Crimean Peninsula. The Russian Defense Military or Ministry has stated that they or has not released a statement yet on that confirmation to confirm that the Pentagon confirmed their first batch of Abrams tanks have arrived in Ukraine. The armored capability is expected to add powerful ground components to the troop advancement. And Poland also releases Delaney that they now have prepared routes for Ukrainian grain to move through its territory and reach the countries that are most in need of the products. The Last week, over the grain imports, question of supplying weapons is still there to be focused on, uh, but at least they have mapped out a couple of routes in which they are able to get grain across. So quite a bit of battling still going on right now on the southeastern and eastern fronts of Ukraine. It looks like there's continuous evidence that uh, Russian forces are committing war crimes but they'll continue to document those as they push back and try to regain some of the foothold that Russia's taken over. And I also saw that the latest drones or latest missile strikes that you mentioned there have killed four people and left over a thousand folks without electricity as it did quite a bit of damage to the local power grids there. And of course, continued infrastructure damage on the ports area as well. So no end in sight, it seems. No, unfortunately. 
Well, Zainer, I think the final piece of news I have here is uh, watching the upcoming election going on in Argentina as they are having an October 22nd presidential election. Some candidates are pledging tax cuts on grain exports. They're also seeing potentially um, political unrise, depending on which candidate wins. And overall, Argentina has seen a delayed or slowing number of exports heading out of the country, especially for the wheat market, followed along with corn and soy. This could be a key factor that elects a new Argentinian president. Uh, But a lot of folks are saying that the low number of sales is due in part to the political uncertainty regarding the new government that will step into office here following the October 22nd election. There's also some speculations that taxes may be lowered somewhat for the time of harvest, and every candidate has just a little different spin on how they're going to plan to tackle this, Tanner, but it certainly could create some excitement for the commodity markets moving forward. Yeah, it will certainly cause a little bit of a shakeup, but I'm out of headlines today. So where did markets close today on this Market Monday? Well, Tanner, markets today closed fairly mixed across the board. December corn up four cents today, ending the day at 481 and a quarter. New crop beans up a penny and a half at 1297 and three quarters. Hard red December winter wheat today up three and three quarters cents at 714 and a half. Chicago December wheat added nine and a half cents at 589. And December spring wheat lost a penny and a half to trade the day out at 769. In the livestock pits here today, the October live cattle contract shed 10 cents to close at a buck 86.97 and a half. October feeder cattle lost 32 and a half cents at 258.82. And October lean hogs ended unchanged on the day, settling out at 81.52 and a half. Tanner, we're turning it over to a conversation today with Matt Bennett to Chat Markets. With the Farm Smart Podcast, we're not just talking change, we're making change together. Farm Smart is where sustainability meets opportunity. We're helping growers leverage sustainable practices and products to record positive environmental impacts and provide new revenue streams. Tune in to learn more about sustainable ag and the opportunities and incentives that are enabling us to get to the future faster. Get the Farm Smart podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at nutrientactsolutions.com slash farmsmart. Well, we're so lucky to be joined today by Matt Bennett of agmarket.net, who is joining us live from the field this uh, this Market Monday afternoon, Matt. So thanks for joining us from the Combine today. Yeah, absolutely. I uh trying to not uh, screw anything up. So I'm going to take a brief uh, break. Uh, sometimes whenever I try to juggle too many things at once, it uh, doesn't always work. So but yeah, we're cutting beans today. We've actually um, really made good progress here over the last several days. Um, this weather in our part of central Illinois has been to die for. I mean, you've had basically uh, you know, dry mornings. And so we've been able to get after it a little bit earlier than what you know, you're able to sometimes. And so, uh, you know, it's almost been ideal. Uh, you know, we've had the beans have kind of dried out maybe a little more than what I would like to have seen. Um, you know, we're cutting a lot of beans that are, oh, I don't know, more in that nine, 10% type area uh, in places um, as the day rolls on. But, you know, for the most part, 
um, you know, we're probably averaging 11 and a half to 12. So I'm the type of guy that wants to hit them right on the head at 13. Uh, but this year has been a really hard year to do that. Yeah, that's uh, great for you to provide perspective because we know we've got quite a few farmers hit, sitting here in central Iowa that have been rained out of the field itself. It'll be interesting to see what crop progress numbers look like. But beans, for the most part today, traded flat after being down at open this morning. Yeah, for sure. You know, this bean market actually um, you know, seems like it responded a little bit. I mean, you had uh, markets kind of turn around. It sure looked like on the overnight that it was going to be another path of least resistance is lower type of start to the week. It's kind of hard to argue with that mentality in a lot of ways. But at the, end of the same time, you know, you get in this part of the world. And I don't know. I think the one thing that's going to kind of pop up, I guess, in my opinion, is you know, we've quote unquote lost a little bit of yield by letting these beans, not letting them get too dry. They just came on all of a sudden. So we kind of waited until we could get our beans to cut. We started cutting with leaves on, you know, and um, we've spread ours out like everyone else does. We don't plant all the same variety uh, as far as maturity goes. But I'm here to tell you, I think a ton of beans, especially in uh, central Illinois and uh, into Indiana from our growers are telling us are getting cut quite a bit uh, lower moisture level than what uh, you know than what you typically might see and I do think as you progress through here you're going to continue to see uh, beans that were either planted later or have a later maturity there's going to be a fairly decent yield cut compared to you know your earliest beans so our beans early on you know just to tell you I mean they were over 80 bushel beans very good beans super thrilled with with that considering the kind of summer we had you know and um you know, we're kind of, uh, we're not cutting 80 bushel beans anymore. We've got awfully good beans still, uh, but certainly going from a three to a three, three to a three, five, which I know, you know, everyone cuts different maturities, but that's kind of in the level we're in. We get up to like a three, nine. Uh, each one of those maturities has been, has yielded just a little bit less than the one before. And of course, these were all planned within a week's window. So uh, kind of interesting to see, but I think it definitely shows you that that super late, uh, super dry, late finish uh, definitely uh, probably took its toll, I guess, uh, is the only thing that I can I can think. And I think that could get in the markets at some point, uh, but only time will tell. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question, Matt, was do you think we see USDA adjust yields lower because of this? And if so, when? But then also, you know, when do we start to see that factored into the markets? Yeah, that's a really good question. And so here's the thing, Delaney, I've been quote unquote bearish for quite a while. Okay. Um, as far as beans were concerned, I mean, and I don't want to sit here and um, say that I've been right because it wasn't necessarily that I, I looked at all this different information and what, here's what I was looking at. Yes. It's a, a tight situation in the U S we all know that it's not tight as far as world stocks are concerned. We know we've got ample supplies, but, you know, and then whenever you look at the fact that growers had and still do have chances to sell at some awfully good prices. But for quite some time, $14 type beans, $13.50 type beans, to me, that was just kind of a no-brainer. And we've been, we told folks, hey, let's go ahead and get as many of these locked in as possible. You know, and then you turn around and, you know, maybe you try some re-ownership. But as far as your question goes, like, when does this play out? I don't know that it does. You know, I, I think it could be supportive. But, I mean, how much are you going to rally if – your world buyers are sitting here saying, you know, yeah, maybe the U.S. is going to have a 200 and below carryout, but if the world's at a 120 million metric ton carryout, 
you know, an all time record type of stocks and stocks use ratio. You know, uh, how excited are you about paying $13 for beans? I don't know. You know, so I guess as a grower, you got to be really cautious as to assume just because we've taken this huge haircut that we're going to rally. I, I do think we get that rally off of harvest lows a lot of times. I'm uh, certainly hoping that happens, uh, but I don't really want to employ the hope strategy too much whenever it comes to my marketing. Yeah, that's a good point. And I almost wonder if your sentiment would be the same for corn because it, it closed slightly up today as well. And I don't think a lot of people expected that. No, I mean, no, you looked at the overnight market and once again, you know, you kind of, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I usually look at the markets before I go to bed. My wife tells me I shouldn't do that because <laughs> sometimes like last night, I'm not in as good a mood. And I mean, that's not the whole marketing thing. It's just, I know there's gonna be frustrated growers that come in after the weekend thinking, well, maybe we were going to start out this week on a really uh, good foot. Uh, I guess my thought process after seeing how the open was seeing the lack of buying enthusiasm come into the market, you know, that it was going to be a fairly drab, boring day. And yes, we didn't rally a lot, uh, but we certainly closed in the green. And so uh, that's a great sign, in my opinion, that maybe we're going to continue to see these low 470s hold. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't think we can move lower because I, I think we probably could longer term. But as of right now, you're just not getting the selling interest once you get down to those support levels. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if your big money manager basically is, is feeling like uh, there's just not enough uh, reward for you to sell into this thing. But um, I guess whenever we talk yield, because I've already talked beans, I think relatively speaking, I'm hearing a lot more variable yields on corn than what I'm hearing on, on soybeans. It seems to me like the early yields on beans were resolutely good, okay? Um, I think on corn, we've heard uh, really good yields, for instance, in our part of the world over here. But of course, in Iowa, I know uh, you guys aren't going to be a stranger to that conversation. You know, I've, I've had some guys call me and gals call me just absolutely uh, about as frustrated as could possibly be, you know, with, with the types of yields. But the, Mother Nature didn't work with them very well. We know that. So, you know, we were super dry, just like a lot of those folks were at times but then we had really good timely rains and unfortunately if you're in you know uh, some of the west central areas in iowa uh, you know waterloo uh, vicinity i mean there's a lot of those folks that are harvesting some of the worst corn they've ever harvested relative to what they were expecting you know at the start of the growing season so i think that this corn situation is a little different than beans but that still doesn't make me bullish you know because we're talking a 2.2 carry i mean yeah, you can go ahead and take yield out of this thing, and then I'll, I'll pull some exports, you know, out of the other side of the ledger. And I'm not trying to be bearish. It's just trying to be realistic here. So, Matt, it sounds like even though we do see or could see a lot of variability in corn yields this, this year, the markets probably aren't going to care so much. You know, I, I, I'm concerned that they aren't. Okay, so whenever I look at, for instance, um, you know, like 2024, and I and we, we we don't need to go away from 23. I just I just want to kind of give you an idea where my head's at. I look at 24 a lot here lately because people are buying fertilizer, and so you know a year ago this time people were paying you know for their total fertilizer program twice what they are now. Uh, you know, and enough people didn't sell corn. That's that's the main mistake that I've seen over the last year, and so uh, you know I think that most people feel like well there's no way you know, that corn's going to go down from here after how far 
it's come down, but boy, I, I don't want to make that assumption. And so, you know, I, I think a couple of things come to mind whenever I look at uh, locking in profit margins for 24, they're there. I mean, that's the beauty of the thing is that they're there. When I look at 23, nobody really wants to talk about 23, but I guess what I've got to look at as a grower, you know, is what am I going to do with all these bushels? Uh, if they go into commercial storage, um, you know, obviously you got to pay storage. And if the market goes down, you still have to pay storage. If you're putting it in your bins, there's a lot more to be said about your physical ownership, uh, ways that you can manage those bushels. But a lot of folks right now, it seems like, are wanting to sell and reown. I think it's a very complicated, risky situation. I certainly wouldn't do that on too many bushels. I would spread my risk out because the thing is, is that we are in a carry market. And now that we're in a carry market, you know, selling right now, I think the main benefit from that, if you will, is going to be that it costs a lot of money, you know, to, to have the money costs are high, interest costs are high. So if you, you know, if you get a hold of the cash and pay off some interest, you know, you can still stay along the board with volatility and options so drastically low, you can do that cheaper than storage. And so, um, you know, I think you can do that on a few bushels, but once again, I'm totally spreading my risk out whenever it comes to these old crop bushels. Uh, a lot of folks right now are just wanting to close their eyes and forget about it because they're super frustrated with, not getting enough sold, quite frankly, uh, but I, I don't think closing our eyes and doing nothing is the right thing to do. I'm glad that you said that and included the cost of financing. Even though we're still at record low operating balances, uh, it still makes every dollar that's borrowed much more expensive. But how is the South American market? They're just wrapping up harvest, I believe, and getting ready to start on next year's planting for their corn crop, what's the weather like there having any effect on this? You know, I don't know that it's had enough effect on it yet, but I'm thinking on a day like today, you know, maybe you get a little bit of an impact there because, I mean, they're certainly hotter than blue places down there. You're, you're definitely talking about a hotter, drier type situation, you know, that if that would continue and you would, for instance, push planting back here this fall uh, for us, it's in the fall, but push planting back to them on first crop, that always has an impact on the market because what happens is is when they uh you know get a late planting on first crop that means second crop grows in the ground late and so that safrina crop it just doesn't have uh, a lot of leeway on planting as far as you know feeling good about not seeing your production cut because they definitely get into a dry season towards uh pollination and after as far as a normal planted corn crop goes so uh, it's something we definitely want to keep an eye on it's part of why we've been trying to kind of tell our growers hey you know um yes it's okay to get some sales on the books uh you know locking in profit margins is a smart thing to do but you know for instance i'm looking at either corn or beans and thinking you know some flexibility probably makes a heck of a lot of sense because these extreme weather patterns we've seen over the last couple of years are not something to ignore. Last thing I'll say about it's this, you know, we follow, of course, a lot of the different uh, weather services. I mean, that's a, that's a tough job to do, but um, you know, here's the thing. They talk about going into El Nino and that should return us to maybe a little bit, you know, a wetter pattern than what we had been in for quite a while. Well, you know what, um, in this part of the world, we're as dry as we've been in a heck of a long time. And the Mississippi river is the third lowest on record. And so, uh, I mean, some of these extremes make me uh, be a little bit hesitant to put all my eggs in any basket. I want to keep a very flexible marketing plan, you know, uh, locking in profit if you've got it. What a beautiful thing if you can live to play another day. 
but I still want to kind of have my toe dipped in the water just in case we get into a really dry pattern in South America and it holds for a while because it could be pretty rewarding in the markets. Matt, as we transition into thinking about livestock, you know, typically this time of year, we start to see especially cattle and hogs pull back, given that the summer grilling season is over. Do you think we're going to follow those same similar trends this year after we've seen this cattle market really just explode? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And a lot of people want to know the answer to that. I I would say that this is such a dynamic market that it's really tough to to um, to subject it to seasonals necessarily. Now, I am not a bullish person, so to speak, as, as you and I talk. Now, I've been bullish cattle for two years uh, off and on, mostly on. And I thought that we had a really good shot at seeing $200 fat. April's been flirting with it. Uh, I think what's concerning to me about cattle is it definitely seems like you're running out of enthusiasm, you know, as you push to these all-time record level type prices and then of course you've still got extremely expensive feeders uh you know i I guess the thing that scares me a little bit is buying feeders right now uh selling the fats on out into the deferred and buying corn boy it's hard to find some black ink so you know i'm very concerned about your feeder at this point uh, especially if there's no risk management whatsoever and i know a lot of them are very hesitant to spend much on it because margins are awful tight uh, but I guess uh, I'm more of a cautious tone than I've been in months. Uh, I'm not saying we won't go to 200 because I think we will. I think the market wants to go there. It's going to happen. I think your blow off top type situation is probably going to be centered around, you know, whenever your uh, your your uh, rancher out west decides they're going to go ahead and retain efforts this time around, which I think will happen as long as they've got enough pasture to make it work. If that's the case, then I think cattle on feed numbers will be so excessively low that you'll get another run out of this market. But I think a lot of folks have been sitting here saying the same thing I'm saying, and that's the reason we're at 199 already. So I I think that will be a short-lived type rally. If you get it, uh, my personal opinion is you need to be paying close attention and and hedge the daylights out of it. Um, You know, uh, I'm not saying spec it. I'm saying hedge it because I think your cattle uh, producer uh, needs to be very cautious in here. I think those are all great comments today, but – are we missing anything else before we wrap up? No, I just think, you know, we, we just don't want to get complacent. You know, we're sitting here in harvest, and I know a lot of folks want to forget about what's going on during harvest, but uh, we, we can't forget about, um, you know, we got to have a plan. You know, what are we going to do with these bushels? Uh, if we're going to put them in the bin, what's the plan? If we're not going to put them in the bin and put them in commercial storage, always have a plan. And I'm, I'm thinking 23, 24, some people are even working a little bit with 25. So I'd just be very cautious as to get too complacent. Awesome. Well, Matt, thanks again for joining us today. If folks want to pick your brain during harvest, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. I mean, if they go to the website, they can find me. Um, but if they, uh, wanted to, uh, you know, uh, that's the easiest place, agmarket.net. Um, my number's on there, all my contact info. So uh, that'd be the easiest way to get a hold of me. A lot of people get a hold of me through Twitter. It's Chief321. So, uh, you know, if they want to get a hold of me and uh, just pick my brain, they're welcome to uh, uh, to try. I would say I'm like you guys. Uh, we're all busy. And, um, you know, I get I will say I return every phone call I ever get. Sometimes it takes a couple of days, though. Well, there you go. It's always great to have a Market Monday in the books. We'll be back every day this week, so don't go too far. But Delaney, what do you say for today? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. 